Welcome, everybody, to another um, session of the Cybersecurity Chronicles. I'm Sean Mahoney with NestSwitch, and today I have a guest. Uh, Doug Kreitzberg is currently the CEO and founder of Beehive Cyber, a cyber insurance company focused on mitigating and insuring cyber risk for businesses. Uh, previously, Doug was CEO of one of the largest insurance brokerages in the country with revenue nearly $1 billion and 200 offices across the country. He holds a degree from the University of Notre Dame. I assume that's in Indiana and not France, correct? Right. And uh, was a certified information privacy manager only to replace that certification to be a certified information privacy professional. Not to demean managers that they're not professional, but it is a level higher in the certification world. Doug, welcome. Thank you for joining me today. Yeah, thanks, Sean. Welcome to be here. Happy to be here. So we're going to talk a little bit about cyber insurance today. I tried to get Doug to talk about his flanco dancing career, but he preferred <laughs> to speak more about uh, cyber insurance. So uh, recently, IBM put out a report for 2021 talking about data breaches. And uh, globally, uh, in their survey, the average data breach costs about $4.24 million. That's a 10% increase over last year. In the U.S., the average is just over $9 million. And in the healthcare industry in the U.S., it's about $9.23 million. And the average time of a data breach effect for the time the intrusion happens to the time they get it all cleaned up is 287 days. That's nearly a year of your business being impacted in some way. So with those numbers, uh, and I remember when I first talked about cyber insurance, Doug, it was fairly affordable. How's the market looking today <laughs> with those kind of numbers? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the the uh, it's a little bit different than it was a few years ago. That that's for sure. Uh and it's uh it's it's driven certainly by uh the cost uh the, related to data breaches as you mentioned. It's also driven by the uh, really the explosion in ransomware that organizations large and small have been experiencing over the past 18 months. Uh, somewhat precipitated or, or you know, uh, as, as a result of COVID and working from home, but uh, it's it's largely as a result of uh, uh, of the criminals uh, really being able to operationalize their ransomware procedures. So right. both the data breaches and ransomware have thrown more costs into into the market, and uh, the market is a lot different from an insurance perspective. Sure. So. With with the market, everybody's a target, it seems to be today. And and I was in a career previously and, and an executive. And when I was approached by the insurance company to have a data policy or a cyber policy, um, I dismissed it. We weren't we weren't a target of attackers. We didn't have anything of value. Uh, and so I dismissed having that kind of coverage. But that was several years ago. And so in today's environment where everybody is a target, if you have a wallet, if you have cash in your business, it's like a mugger in the back alley. All they want is your money. They don't care what else you have. They don't care what's in your head. They don't care what's in your building, care what business you're in. If you've got cash, they want it. Right. And so really, 
who needs cyber insurance? Uh, well, <laughs> I, I think uh, it, you could almost say any business uh, uh, should, be, should be evaluating cyber business today. You know, as, especially I mentioned COVID before with regards to the increased threat. Uh, COVID has also forced most businesses, if not all, to become more and more digital. Uh, it, it's hard to say, even if you're uh, that that you know traditional mom and pop shop uh, retail, that that you're not digital when you've spent the past 18 months, uh, you know, doing deliveries and and uh, shipping out products as opposed to having people come in the door. Uh, and that that's just expanded the threat landscape for everyone. And, and the, you know, without insurance, uh, uh, you know, the, these organizations, particularly the, the small ones, are going to, could be facing an existential threat. They could be out uh, their systems, which uh, reduces or takes their revenue perhaps to zero or near zero. Right. Uh, they may not be able to have access to their customers anymore or their supply chain. And uh, it's tough to do business uh, if, if you're in that situation without financial resources to help you. So with with regard to a small business, a mom and pop, even a small medium-sized business, what do they need to look for in a, in a cyber policy? Uh, there were days where when these things first started coming out, there was a lot of small print, doesn't cover this, doesn't cover this, or they would cleverly omit areas that if you needed coverage for that, oh, that's not in the policy. Are those days gone that they're more comprehensive? Or do they still need to be very careful about what they select as in the policy? I, I think they uh, uh, still need to be careful, uh, and and especially today when carriers are really looking to reduce coverage as opposed to expand coverage. Uh, and and you know we could spend you know several sessions talking about cyber <laughs> insurance and what's in it and what should be in it, but but just a couple of of points that I that I would reference for for the uh, uh, for the businesses, one is is you're you're going to have a, a limit of liability or a limit of coverage that's going to cover both third party liability if somebody sues you and first party liability. What are the costs that you have as a result of the event? The the uh, you're going to certainly want the coverage uh, to protect you if someone sues you for a data breach, uh, as an example. Uh, uh, but you're also going to want to make sure you have ample coverage for those first-party costs, for the data restora restoration after an event has occurred, for the forensics and the kind of the review of the system that, and all those costs associated with it, the costs associated with getting the system back up and running uh, uh, there. Uh, and in particular, pay close attention to uh, the ransomware language are they going to pay, as an example, and there's been a lot of talk about whether they should, uh, are they going to pay or assist you in paying the ransom uh, demand in addition to the cost supporting it? Uh, the, the other uh, areas that I would look at outside of kind of data breach and ransomware is, is what is your uh, business interruption? Uh, a large part of your costs are going to be uh, uh, the result of not being able to make the revenues that you were prior to the incident. So you need to make sure that you have business interruption cost, uh, 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 coverage in place. Uh, the other thing that you're going to want to look to is, 
is do you have protection for social engineering attacks if someone tries to induce you to wire money uh, fraudulently uh, and uh, or or induces uh, uh, someone else to take money out, out of your uh, organization? Do you have coverage for that as well? Those are kind of the broad areas. I would right. look certainly for data restoration, ransomware, business interruption, and uh, uh, the kind of the social engineering coverages. You know, the business interruption is is important. One of the, again, previously um, in the early 2000s, we had a malware attack that took us down for four days while they cleaned the entire network. So that was no orders processed from customer right. service, no orders produced to be shipped out, and no picking packing from the warehouse. And right. that was four days of, and you couldn't, you had to have everybody come into work. They were getting paid to sit there but as right. soon as the systems came back on, we had to release everything and get things going again. So we couldn't right. just have people stay away until things came back online. So that business interruption cost is coverage is important. Yeah, it's it's absolutely in, important uh, 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 there. The, you know, on on you, we we've talked about kind of the average downtime on a data breach. Right. Uh, the average downtime on a ransomware attack. Is around three weeks, and if and and that's where you just don't have access to the system. So if you're a small business, just kind of think about: could you survive not having access to your system for three weeks? And what kind of costs would you have to incur in order to keep afloat during that period of time? Right. Uh, those are things where insurance, you know, can can you know be an asset to you, yeah. uh, and uh, in those times. Yeah, so it's it's not just SMBs that get affected for three weeks of entering a ransomware attack. Look at Kronos this week; they said their servers, yeah. their systems, will be down for weeks. Right. Right. So yeah, yeah, it's it's but, a uh, it's it's a ma major issue. So how how do the insurance companies today set the premiums for coverage? Is there a rhyme or reason, or are they still throwing darts at a dartboard? Um. The uh, uh, I'll, I'll put it this this way: the cyber risk is still extremely difficult to measure, uh, and and whether you're a business trying to assess what is the what is the potential impact of of loss, or certainly when you're a carrier trying to trying to determine what the losses are, the and right now today the carriers across the board don't have the right answer so they're they're searching and they're trying to figure out what's the right price point what are the right questions that we need to be asking uh, how do we know if the if the answers that we're getting are are accurate uh, and and what type of limits should we be putting out so so it is still uh, I would say the Wild West uh, uh, 2.0 perhaps uh, from what it was 18 months ago uh, but it's still, uh, it, it's you're still going to see a variety of different approaches depending upon which carriers you you uh, you you find yourself in front of. And the challenge with that is you just don't know how sustainable any of those carriers are. So you may find one carrier will take you today. Uh, a year from now, they may not, you know, they may not want your business uh, 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 going forward, or they want your business but at three times the pricing. That, that's the market that we're in, uh, and I see that uh, continuing at least for the foreseeable future 
because we just don't have a handle on on how to price and evaluate uh, this type of risk. Well, that's encouraging. <laughs> it is. It is encouraging. But I but I think the the positive where where what's happening in the market that is positive. Uh, it, uh, it doesn't mean that it's not still challenging from an insurance perspective, is that uh, the market is getting around what are the type of controls that we think we need in place. Uh, so so that's where, you know, businesses should be really paying heed to what, what, are, the, what are the carriers looking for from an underwriting perspective, working with their MSP or their IT department to make sure that those things are in place at minimum. Uh, and that will go a long way uh, uh, and put them in the best position to get the best pricing and the best terms available in the market uh, there. So I think I think you know in broad in in from a broad perspective that there are some opportunities for for businesses who want to not only get the best terms but also put themselves in the best position defensively with regards to cyber risk to to heed what what they're saying. So if if I don't have a cyber policy today and I'm going to market to find one, um, is is my best course of action to uh, engage somebody or do a, a security and risk assessment of of where I am today to understand where that is and before I get the quote or should I go get a quote and then. No, I th- I think uh, I, what what you sh- if if you don't have insurance today and you're contemplating getting it, I would I would uh, have a risk assessment done, and I, ha- I would have a risk assessment evaluate certain key things uh, uh, that that uh, um, not only insurance carriers are looking at, but your clients are probably looking at as as well. Uh, you know, do do you have uh, uh, Multi-factor authentication in place. Do you have? I just, we just had a client that was denied a policy because they wouldn't listen to us about putting MFA in place because it was too cumbersome. Exactly, exactly. That that's now. It, it was a nice to have eighteen months now ago. It, it's now table stakes. Uh, yeah. Certainly from an insurance perspective, uh, you know, do you have endpoint detection response solutions in, in place? So now it's not it's not your your dad's. Uh, uh, antivirus uh, solution. It's a little more souped up, uh, so it can actually uh, prevent and limit uh, loss as 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 it comes through or, or incidents as they come through. Uh, here, do you have backup protection that includes an offline backup uh, a solution? Uh, and uh, and for extra credit, uh, having different credentials uh, when that that are used to access that that uh, off offline solution instead of uh, your your usual credentials. Uh, uh, certainly, um, uh, security awareness training, uh, making sure that that's that's in place. Is that important uh, within the policies now that you have you're educating your employees about the risks and how to identify them? It is. It is. Uh, you know. Uh, you know. Look, various stats show that anywhere from sixty-five to eighty-five percent of the uh, of the incidents occur through some type of through a human risk. Uh, a component and and so security awareness training is is one element that can help you defend in addition to the other other uh, uh, solutions that you should have in place. Uh, 
Uh, one area in, in particular uh, is uh, patching. So making sure that your critical, your operating systems and your critical uh, systems are up to date, that they have the latest security patches in, in place. Um, uh, a number of you may be working on that right now with regards to an Apache <laughs> patch. Uh, if, if, uh, uh, if you're not, check to see if you should be. <laughs> right, right. This right. thing is so pervasive. Exactly, exactly. Uh, but those, those things are, are important. And and, uh, uh, and and can help, again, in terms of uh, 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 mitigating risk and also getting the best terms for coverage. Uh, and as I've mentioned um, before, you know, you, when, when you think about this, you think about it, you, uh, the insurance is helping you create a risk transfer solution so that you can afford to do the risk that you need to do from a business perspective without you know, basically losing your shirt if something goes goes wrong. It also should be viewed as as value because this is what you know. Having these controls in place is what's going to enable you to keep your clients and get new clients because more and more your clients are going to be asking you for the same things. So so it it's you know putting these solutions in place enables you to continue to stay in business. It all from from you know just the standpoint of potential loss. It also enables you to stay and grow from the standpoint of maintaining healthy uh, client relationships. So if I'm uh, a business owner or business leader, and I do this security risk assessment, and I have uh, my IT resources mitigate remediate uh, the things that are identified through that assessment whether it be configurations or patches or closing ports that shouldn't be open, whatever it is. Um, and then I, should I have another risk assessment done to then validate the work that was done to make sure we did what we were supposed to do? And in that second one is providing those results to the insurance company, a way to help lower my premiums. The uh, uh, well, answer the the first question, which is you you should go through and and validate that all the steps that you thought you were taking actually have been implemented, and that that should be part of what they call a regular vulnerability management process. That's correct. Uh, uh, so so yes, you should be doing that uh, just just as if you would be checking your children's homework uh, uh, when they said that they did it. Uh, uh, there, I, the with with regards to sharing it with the insurance companies, I think that that's uh, in, in in some situations I, w I would say yes. Some carriers don't know what to do with that or how to to handle that, other than having you indicate on an application that you have that in place. Whether you get pricing discounts from it is going to vary by carrier, so uh, you couldn't say across the board yes. Uh, it in some carriers, they may say, you know, it's a price where, you know, the fact that you have it just means that we'll be willing to offer you terms, uh, uh, period. Uh, some will be more, uh, depending upon what you have in place, could provide you, you discounts uh, as, as part of it uh, there. Do you think that um, in the same line of thought, so if you take cyber 
coverage just like you do a benefits package uh, for the employees. And the insurance companies see the pool of employees and they see the relative health of that pool. And they know, they know all the, the numbers that go into that, the actuarial stuff. And, but they see that you encourage and provide ways to stop smoking. If you have smokers, uh, you encourage a healthy lifestyle. You provide um, healthy eating. Uh, if you provide if you're providing lunch, there's always healthy food options. If you're encouraging your employees to live a healthier lifestyle, they look at that favorably, and, yeah. and that does affect your premiums. Right. So, can the same thing sort of be said if you're running a, a cybersecurity program that you have a cybersecurity plan and you're running these security and risk assessments on a regular basis and showing the remediation efforts on an ongoing basis, and that you're you're trending over a period of time, if you're evidencing that to them, does that help into that renewal year? Yeah, it, it definitely should help. And if you're working with a carrier that isn't uh, open to that, then, then I, would, I would look to, to find a different partner. Because, you know, I mentioned at the beginning, part of the challenge here is that carriers just don't know how to uh, define the risk, and part of the reason that they don't know how to define it is they don't have the transparency into your organization to understand what is actually in place. They can put in an application, you know, questions to, to, to help them. They can do kind of the external scanning, which tells you, you know, which windows are open, so to speak, uh, uh, and, and uh, they can jiggle the, the lock, on the, the handle on the door to see if the lock is set. But they can't really go inside to see if the alarm is set, if, if there's certain procedures in place, is there a fire extinguisher, you know, is there other exit, uh, uh, you know, lines of, of exit uh, to, to go through. And I think that, um, uh, care, you know, as the market evolves, carriers are going to need to be able to uh, facilitate the ability for you to show what you're doing, the good things you're doing. Uh, in order, first of all, to give you discounts because you should be getting them. And secondly, to have stability in the pricing so you're not sitting here on some type of yo-yo uh, or roller coaster ride uh, with with them when, when other things hit the fan uh, down the road. Are there specific things that a, a business should be asking about a carrier or an insurance broker that – how do I identify the right one for me? Because everybody's going to say, hey, you can get cyber insurance from us. But as you were just describing, some may be more uh, attuned or experienced in dealing and understanding what you're doing. If you say, hey, I'm doing all these things, we get it. Where the other guy may go, okay, cool. Right, right. I, well, I think, I think uh, you know, and, and there's, two, there's, there's two audiences. One is the broker that you're working with, and the other is, is the carrier. Uh, and, and in both, but prim- the first is, is talking to your broker about this and seeing, if, you know, do, does he or she really understand what the risks are and the security controls in place? Do, do they know what patching means? Uh, you know, do they, do they know what... Uh, uh, what M- can they spell MFA? Uh, um, and and you know, in the past, up until eighteen months ago, a broker could throw in cyber insurance 
and and it was the the cost was relatively inexpensive. It was. They didn't really have to be an expert. Now you're really going to want whoever you're working with to really understand and keep up on on uh, the the threat around uh, in in cyber and and what's being done to mitigate that threat. Uh, so you're going to want an, you know, you're going to want a trusted source for that. From the carrier standpoint, you're going to want a carrier that that is willing to look at uh, uh, the information that you're willing to share with them, really quote unquote behind the firewall uh, uh, to help understand the risk, and that they're willing to to price accordingly uh, based on that that information. Uh, and and you're going to want a carrier that. You don't necessarily need a carrier that specializes in this because there's large, you know, there's benefits to having working with carriers that that uh, uh, that you know are have a balanced port risk portfolio as opposed to exclusive. Certainly, uh, but but you're definitely going to want to have expertise in in that segment that that's that's working for you, and also look at their track record of how they've reacted to. This recent quote unquote hard market uh, has it just been through denying coverage and increasing uh, uh, premiums or reducing limits, or have they actually started putting in solutions in place uh, uh, and uh, to to uh, help you kind of understand what you need to do and uh, moving forward to to you know keep keep insurance stable and and to keep your business going. That's great. Well, good information, Doug. I appreciate you talking about cyber insurance, uh, a topic that everybody likes talking about is insurance right. because it just costs the money is what they see. But uh, in all reality, it's, it could really kind of save your business, save your organization if an incident or when an incident happens. Uh, it can cover so many different areas if you have the right kind of policy in place. Right. And with the failure rate of small businesses, uh, over 60% after an incident, um, you know, that could mean the difference between life and death. Sure. So, you know, absolutely. So anyway, Doug, thank you very much again for your time today. I appreciate everyone living, listening to us today. And this is Doug Kreitzberg with Beehive Cyber. If you have any questions, you can check him out. He's on LinkedIn and it's Beehive Cyber. You can find him online. Doug, thanks again. All right. Thanks, Sean. Appreciate Take care, it. everybody.